Welcome to Minute 49 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again on this lovely day is David Brooke of Blueprint Review. Welcome back, David. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) Yes, I'm back. Gobble, gobble. There you go. (laughs) You're a stitch. (laughs) All right, so... (laughs) Yesterday's minute, basically, we ended with Neil getting back to the terminal, taking that tie off of his toothache, cold ears. <laughs> <laughs> and episode 49 begins with a woman continuing to giggle as she's on the phone and ends with Neil continuing to vent his frustrations. So Neil was stuck without a, without a car. He trekked his way back across the highway, down a snowy embankment, through the slush of the, of the road, across the tarmac, and made his way finally back to the airport. You know, I, I, I just want to mention that the airport that he's in is the airport in St. Louis. Okay, which is known as the St. Louis Lampert International Airport, sometimes known as Lambert Field, or simply just known as Lambert. It's the largest and busiest airport in Missouri, has 259 daily departures to 78 different domestic and international nonstop locations. It was actually named after someone named Albert Bond Lambert, who was an Olympic medalist and was also an aviator in St. Louis. So that that's interesting. That's why they called him that. The airport was also associated with Charles Lindbergh, and they had groundbreaking air traffic control as they became the primary hub of TWA, which we, we talked about a little yesterday. So yeah, that, that's what we got to say about the, the airport itself. And I, I was actually shocked to find out that they actually let them film this at the airport. I mean, I don't know if the scene that we're going to talk about today itself was filmed in the airport, you know, in, in St. Louis, but everything else, the the externals and, you know, with Neil walking across the, the tarmac and all that, that all really was filmed in St. Louis. So I, I, I guess we, oh, yeah, we I guess take our hat off for them that they were, that they were letting them do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It must be quite disruptive. It's uh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Great. So Neil is standing there waiting in line and there's a woman talking on the phone and she's laughing. Now this woman, you, you know who this woman is? Edie McClurg. She's Edie yeah. McClurg. You, you familiar with her? She, well, she's, yeah, she's, she's one of these, I mean, I know well from this, I guess from, but she's, she's one of these uh, people who, whose face is very familiar. She kind of crops up in a lot of, she's been in a lot of, uh, of big films really um, in her time. So she she's very familiar. She's does a lot of voice acting as well. Her voice is very distinctive. So no, yeah, she's one of these people where if if you showed a face, I wouldn't know her name. I I had to look it up, but I would. De- but you definitely recognise her. She's like, she's like one of those um, that guy sort of people. <laughs> right, that is definitely true. So she she has a hundred and thirty eight acting credits. Okay, she she was born uh, in nineteen forty five, which means that today she is seventy seven. Or she'll be 77 in July. And she's, she was actually born in Missouri. 
which is which is interesting also that since this scene takes place in St. Louis, she was born in Kansas City, but that's just across the state. So she was in a hundred. She had 138 acting TV credits. Her last one was in 2020, where she played herself in The Family Guy. And in movies, she had 54 credits. And her most famous ones are this movie and a movie you mentioned yesterday. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, exactly. She was, she, she's was. she been in a, a number of movies by John Hughes. She was also in Curly Sue. She was in She's Having a Baby. She was in Mr. Mom, which is which was written by John Hughes. So yeah, she she's had some some prime John Hughes roles over the years. Okay, in Ferris Bueller, she she actually played the secretary for Ed Rooney. Mm, yeah. Apparently, John Hughes asked her to read for this this role, and she just did such an amazing job. He he gave her the 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 job on the spot because this is not the type of person that you would expect to be playing this role, which we shall get to over the course of today and tomorrow. All right, so she continues with her dialogue, and she just starts laughing, and then you hear her say, Gee, Murray, you're a stitch. Nope, Mom's going to do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia. So I guess we go to get those miniature marshmallows, and I'll do the crescent rolls, and you do the cranberries. You know I can't cook. And then she continues laughing, and then Neil begins to get a little agitated and starts clearing his throat. And then she says into the phone again, yeah, well, I'll see you tomorrow then. Gobble, gobble. And then she, she makes a very strange <laughs> sound. <laughs> which ululates, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, what she's yeah. doing. So first of all, apparently this whole scene that she does here, she was asked by John Hughes to ad-lib it. He said just... Pretend you're you're talking on the phone. Just do whatever you want to to really annoy the person who's waiting in line for you. So some of the things she mentioned were were pretty interesting. Now, do you know what a stitch is? Because she says, uh, "Gee, Marie, you're a stitch." What would you think that is? In, in my mind, it'd be like a stitch up, like some if someone kind of sets someone up for something. So in my mind, it's kind of she, she's stitched up to um to to do some cooking for the, for the Thanksgiving, I guess, but I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. Okay. No, that, that That's actually, it makes sense what you're saying, but when I looked it up and so the urban dictionary, it actually says that it means that someone is very funny, meaning you have okay. me in stitches with laughing. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. That, that works too. Right. Right. So and then she said, you know, mom's going to do the turkey and dad wants ambrosia. Do you, do you know what ambrosia is? I do. I'm, I, I, I I think so. Yes, I think we used to call it something else. My um, uh, my mom used to make it uh, around Christmas. Uh, my uh, although weirdly, I was going to say cause my my mom is American, so I I get a lot of Americanisms uh, through her. And but actually, I I might be wrong, but I think when she made it, it was from a, a recipe from my uh, one of my English aunts um, who lived in Australia. <laughs> so. Uh, in my mind, a very international, in yeah, international, a very international family. And I've married a Finn as well, so we're we're uh, our families all over the place. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Is that the kind of? It kind of looks gross. It kind of it's kind of like a, a marshmallowy kind of almost jellyish kind of 
thing, but it tastes really nice. It, 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 although I think I think the version that I we made is slightly different from what it usually is. I'm just looking it up now, and it, it doesn't look exactly the same. But I've had something vaguely similar that it it sounds pretty similar. I, lo- I right. love so it. it- I, I've had it for a long time, but I used to absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things at Christmas. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's it's basically a fruit salad. It's a type of fruit salad, which has a whole bunch of different things that you can add to it. I mean, obviously, the recipes vary, but uh, you can put pineapples in it and, and mandarin orange slices or orange sections. Uh, a lot of times they put miniature marshmallows in, which is what she mentions about the fact that you need to buy miniature marshmallows, coconuts. Sometimes you'll have different fruits and nuts in there, uh, maraschino cherries, bananas, strawberries, grapes, pecans. Sometimes you'll add mayonnaise or other type of dairy ingredients like whipped cream, sour cream, cream cheese, pudding, yogurt, cottage cheese. And then you're, you're supposed to mix it all together and then you, you put it in the fridge for, for a few hours, either overnight or whatever, to let all the, the, the tastes you know, uh, merge together and stuff like that. I mean, basically it's a type of, of fruit salad or pudding or something like that. So when, when I, when I looked at the word, the first thing that came across though was not this. Ambrosia is apparently the term used for food or drink of the Greek gods. Yes. Yeah. That apparently when you eat them, it gives you longevity or immortality or things like that. You know, I also found a whole bunch of different connections in in different you know Greek stories and stuff like that. I'm definitely not going to go into that because I don't know enough about it, and mm. I'll just be talking out of you know talking out of my butt the whole time. Mm. And that's just yeah. You know. But I know I found it interesting. That was because like I first I first saw that, and I was like, that's what she's talking about. She's going to mention something about the Greek gods, you know. And then I did a, went a little deeper and found found that it's also a fruit salad. So that, that sort of makes a little more sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just looking up now. If you search for green ambrosia, that's the stuff that looks more familiar to me. As I say, it always looked a bit gross, but it was because it was green, this thought I had. But if you just look at ambrosia, it looks a bit more colourful and appetising. Uh, but it always tastes no, well, nice. <laughs> well, send, send the recipe to your wife. Maybe she'll <laughs> make it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, you remember how great that was when you were a kid? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. And then, you know, we, we see that there are a few other people waiting in line, you know, behind behind Neil here. There's a woman who looks like she's uh, getting slightly impatient also. Not as much as Neil, but but slightly. There's uh, a man that 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 uh, looks at his watch as, you know, as they're all listening to this conversation. Now, I mean, first of all, Eden McClure does a great job with this. There's no question about it. Mm. But. You'd think that someone who's in a service-oriented job like this is not going to be doing this. You know, obviously they're doing it here for the comic effect, but mm. but still, you know, they they wouldn't be having a personal call in mm-hmm. front of people who are waiting in line. And then, I mean, she also like puts up her finger to yeah. to tell him like one moment. You know, I, I can't be another moment. I kind of see that finger moment as almost being the straw that breaks Neil's back. I mean, he looks pissed off anyway, yes. but. But that that I think that for me is like, oh, that really that digs and that, like that's that's just done it, which leads yes. us into what's going to yeah. come. Right, and I I love the fact that you know, <laughs> as she's you know, as she's talking and Neil is looking at her, we see Neil get more and more annoyed. Like each time, it it seems if like he's trying to hold himself back 
and trying to, you know, to, to not go too far. But, you know, it's just really funny the way that, that she, you know, that, that she, she's able to egg him on with, with this whole thing of what she's doing. But, you know, Neil is still trying to, to be as polite as possible. And then she hangs up the phone and says, bye-bye. Right. And then she looks up at Neil and says, welcome to Marathon. May I help you? And he goes, yes. In a very firm way. You know, he's not screaming or anything like that, but he says in a firm way. And he says, well, how may I help you? And this is where the movie turns into an R-rated movie. <laughs> <laughs> So Neil's response is, and taken taken into consideration, this all takes place in 17 seconds of this minute. Okay, so everything I'm going to say now comes in this 17 second section. He goes, "You can start by wiping that dumbass smile off your rosy cheeks, and you can give me a automobile, a Datsun, a Toyota." A f Mustang, a f Buick, four f wheels and a seat. This this conversation will continue into tomorrow, but we're gonna take a little break here and talk about today's. So basically, within these, what I say, seventeen seconds, Neil says the word f eight times with what he's talking about. And first of all, Steve Martin delivers this so beautifully. He does such a great job of calmly saying this. You know, you can see that he's frustrated. You can see that he's upset, but it's still all done in a very calm and sort of collective way, I guess you can say. You know, we, we get a shot of her also, and she's taken a little aback by everything that she says. But once again, everyone who's standing behind him doesn't react at all. Nobody has heard what he's saying. Nobody's looking at him. Nobody's like, you know, what did he just say? What's he doing? You know, because again, this isn't the first time he didn't say it once. He's repeating himself over and over. You, you do see you're the only person you do see is, is towards the end of this minute. You do see the other, um, like customer service lady. She 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 does notice. You see her looking over in the in the in the wide shot. But yeah, no one behind him. Right. She she glances over for like a, a yeah. fraction of a second, looking. But the question is, is she saying? Is she looking because she sees? what he's saying or does she look over because she wants to make sure that her colleague is okay oh yeah possibly that but yeah she looks about this guy who is very very close and having this you know conversation with her it's when he starts to fling his arms around at the end that she she starts looking yeah. over. right because he like he reaches his hand out and starts counting on his hand you know as he's saying you know a f that's an a f toyota a f mustang a f buick you know he just says it over and over and you know he's counting it off on his hands, which which is great. I mean he does he does a great job with this. Now this is just one of the most classic scenes in this movie. Uh, the rumor is that this is one of two scenes in the movie or in the script that sold Steve Martin on it. You know he read this scene and he read the scene with the um with where Dell is playing with the seat in the rental car, uh, which we'll probably get to in about two or three weeks. So apparently those two scenes are the scenes that, that convinced him that this is what he wants to do, you know, that he's going to do this movie. So I, I decided to, to look up all the different cars that he talks about here. 
you know, the Datsun and Toyota and Mustang and Buick, you know, just briefly, I'll, I'll go through what all of them. First of all, do you know that a, Dats, a Datsun is just the name referred to by cars that are from Nissan? Uh, yeah, I knew it was a style of Nissan, yeah. Between 1958 and 1986, any car that was that Nissan exported was just called a Datsun. Hmm. You know, they, I guess they only started using the term Nissan internationally after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think my brother bought a Nissan in like 1997 or something like that. That was like one of the first times that I really started thinking about that stuff like that. But so I, I found that to be quite interesting. Yeah. Began uh, producing them in 1931, and they're still making them as of now in 2022. Again, it's sort of a Nissan, so whatever. Then you have the Ford Mustang. So these are cars that were made by Ford. They started making them in 1964. The Mustang is actually considered the longest produced Ford car nameplate. And they're right now in its sixth, its sixth generation of making the, the these cars, which is pretty amazing. I guess, I guess a generation of a car is about 10 years from that perspective. They expected to sell more than 100,000 vehicles a year of the Mustangs. And in 1965, when they launched the Mustang, it became the most successful vehicle launch since the 1927 Model A, which is pretty amazing. They thought they would sell 100,000. They sold 400,000 units in the first year. As of August 2018, how many Ford Mustangs do you think they sold? If the first year they sold 400,000. Since when? Sorry, when was the first year? Oh, I don't know. Since 1965. Oh, God, no. Millions. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the truth is, I, I would think I would think that it would be more if you if the first year they got four hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just thought it so dipped. Well, no, not necessarily. Yeah, it it really did dip because it only they only sold uh, as of twenty eighteen they or in twenty eighteen they sold their ten millionth must must well, which is still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm I'm not knocking them. <laughs> Then you have Buick, which is a division of of GM. Okay, it became one of the first American marquees of automobiles. They actually helped uh, establish General Motors with their cars in 1908, because it was it was started by David Dunbar Buick, which is the name of uh, interesting. So it's always been marketed as a premium automobile. And most of their cars are considered luxury vehicles that GM produced. So, yeah. So, I mean, these are just three different types of, of cars that he mentions. He mentions Toyota also. But everyone knows about Toyota, so we don't really need to go into that. <laughs> I think we've talked too much about cars this week. <laughs> but, I mean, it's interesting that, that the, the way this diatribe comes out. Mm. You know, because as I said before, he says it in a seemingly calm and collective way. But still... Gets his point across. There's no question about that. Yeah. You know, and you see, and, and she has a great reaction to the whole thing also, because this is not the type of person that you would think that you would talk this way to. And he, he gets away with it. He still does it. And we're going to leave a lot more for tomorrow to, to talk about as we finish this minute up. Because as I said, this these 30 seconds in this minute, or actually these 17 seconds in this minute, and tomorrow's minute, we get about 45 seconds of everything. That together is the main reason that this movie was rated R. Yeah. Instead of just getting a PG-13 at the time. Yeah. 
because nothing else happened. No, nothing else happens in this movie that would warrant it to be considered an R-rated movie. Besides the fact that in these 17 seconds, he says the word eight times. Yeah. I think that's why it's so memorable. I so, guess it's just because it really stands out. It just almost comes out of nowhere. It's like, whoa, it just kind of uh, grabs your attention. Yeah, that's true. It's something when, you, when you're watching the movie for the first time, you do not expect this, which is great. So you have anything else uh, you want to say about the, this minute? Um, I kind of like, I think visually, uh, it's kind of nice how they're very contrasting, the two characters in, in that moment. So you've got um, Edie, sorry, I don't know, has she got a character name? I don't think she does, but yeah, but obviously Edie's... No, she's. I think she's just known as the car rental yeah. agent or something like but that. But she's, she's very, uh, she's very made up, she's very clean, she's got a uniform on. And uh, she's, she's got colourful uh, makeup on. Uh, hair's got a hint of red in it as well. She's very, very ch- chirpy and kind of cheer- cheerful on the phone. And then obviously you've got Neil as the total opposite. Uh, but but not not just in terms of their characters, but even like visually, like his his clothes are all drab, especially because they've got wet and damaged, all very drab colours. And even in the background, like she's got the big white kind of logo thing in the background. So any close-up of her is super bright. And then the close-ups of um, of Neil uh, are not. I mean, you get a bit of a strip of light in there, but it's mainly quite dark and and, and busy, not clean, and, and, and a lot more drab. And it's quite a nice visual kind of contrast on top of their performances, which which makes sense because he's he himself is in a very dark place yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. And she's and she's actually in a very light and happy place yeah. because you know she's thinking about her her meal tomorrow, you know, with with her family. Yeah. Oh, and there's there's one. This is me being really niggly as an editor. I did notice one slightly rough edit in there. It's not it's not that bad, but um, there's uh once the kind of like swearing begins, um, it cuts from Edie's close up, her first initial reaction to this, and then to the wide shot. It doesn't quite 100 percent match, like because she, she's move she's moving a little bit when she she's kind of moving it back a bit when she first hears the swearing. And a fa- facial expression is kind of changing. And then when it cuts to the wide, it's, she's really static and her face isn't quite the same. That's the only bit that kind of stuck out in, in all the bits I'm looking at. That was a bit like, oh, it was a slightly jarring cut. Um, but it doesn't obviously doesn't spoil the moment. It's still uh, it's only if you're really <laughs> analyzing it minute by minute as, as I've uh, just as I was watching it several times. But yeah, mine and niggle. Oh, right. But there's also the fact that that the way that this is done is, you know, you're, you're you're not going to be looking at her. You're looking at yeah. him. Because even when they're showing her, he's still yeah, talking. Yeah. Oh, there's one other thing I want to point out. Is um, What are those things on the bins? Like on the wide wide shot? At first, I thought it looked like a blood-stained rag. And I thought, oh, maybe there's something from a deleted scene, like he's dabbing some blood off his face or something. But but then you look, it's in both bins. It's really weird. I couldn't I couldn't quite tell what it is. There's some kind of, as I say, it's... Uh, oh, I've lost the video now. I, I just couldn't quite... Um, it, maybe it's just me or it's just the quality of this video. But there's some weird things in the bin. I'm trying to find it now. Which bin? Which which bin? If you go on on, on the wide shot when he's uh, when he's of the marathon desk, he's having a go at her. uh, There's two little purple bins, uh, and they both look as though they've got blood stained like tissues or something on there. It's just they're they're really weird. Like again, over analyzing, you just kind of notice these strange things, and uh, maybe it's just me. I, I don't know if it's something else or, but to me, they look like ashtray style bins, and there's some sort of weird. Oh wow, you're right. Now I see what you're talking about. 
I was I I didn't I didn't I didn't catch right away what you were talking about. Right there, they have like the bluish purple pins there. Wow. Yeah, that does look like that. It's, I I don't think it's from Neil. No, he, was he not did bleeding. not have any. He was not bleeding. So I don't know. Maybe it's no. Else. But you see them in both. Yeah, it's weird. So it, it it's very weird. Wow, I didn't notice that. That's a Unless great catch. Some kind of. Too bad we too bad we don't know uh, what it is. It really bothered me. <laughs> but yeah. That's... Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't look at that at all. But, yeah, okay. my other so thoughts in... on the scene. I think I'm going to leave for tomorrow. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so there, there's in, in the the final script there are a few slight discrepancies here, not that much. First of all, I love the description. John Hughes does a great job descript- describing this character, and he goes, "A perky young girl is happily tapping on the keys of her computer. She looks up with a big, friendly TV commercial smile. A beat, and the smile dissolves." So, you know, I guess after he wrote this, he decided that he was going to recast it with someone who's slightly older, which works. You know, there's 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 nothing wrong with that. It still works. And the only differences is when Neil begins his diatribe. So. He changes things a little bit where he starts off. First of all, he says, you can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can drop the miss fucking cheerful bullcrap and give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Chevy, four fucking wheels and a seat. So here they use Chevy instead of Buick. Again, you know, that might just be. Steve Martin making a, a an ad lib change along the way, so it pretty much goes along with what what they have here in the original script. And as you said, tomorrow we're going to get more into this <laughs> as we continue this this conversation. So every day we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest give a little story about an adventure or misadventure that we might have had at some point over the course of the journey of our lives. So, David, you got another one for us? Uh, yeah, th- this one's more a vague memory, but, um, yeah, we I travel to Finland a lot. I think I mentioned it earlier. I'm, my wife's Finnish, so we, we go and see her family quite regularly. And uh, and we always so – we, we don't have a lot of money. We try and get the che- cheaper flights, cheapest flights we can find whenever we go over there. And uh, but one time we ended up having to the, the cheapest flight was actually to go via uh, Belgium uh, to get up to Finland. Uh, so, yeah, on the way there, it was great. We stopped off in Belgium. We had a couple of hours there. So when in Belgium, you've got to try Belgian chocolates. You've got to try Belgian waffles. <laughs> we did all that. That was awesome. Went to Finland, had a great time. But then on the way back, we went via Belgium again and it all went wrong. It was an, it was a late flight. Um, so we arrived, uh, and you didn't have your Belgian waffle shops and things like that open. Plus we were not, it's quite late. We weren't really fancy, fancying that kind of stuff. And, but the flight got canceled. I can't remember. I think it was bad weather or there's some, something going on and the flight was canceled and we were just stuck in Belgium with, uh, not much to do. And we had two young, uh, our kids were quite young at the time and, uh, they were tired and ratty and it was just really miserable so quite a contrast to the way there but we did get home i think i think we we didn't have to stay overnight thankfully i think we got quite a late flight a really late flight um eventually but it was still it was a good few hours of uh ratty kids and uh no chocolate <laughs> and it was uh it wasn't much fun so yeah not not the most exciting story but um just uh no that's great a bad Why not? it's something 
it's something that definitely fits in with with what happened in this movie. No question about that. You know, travel a travel gone array mm. <laughs> or awry, however you want to pronounce that. Great. All right. So, David, you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, I regularly write and run blueprintreview.co.uk. So, yeah, check it out. All right. And you can find me very simply also. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find my website. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. And while you're doing that, obviously, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher they might be using to listen to this show. So, David, you, you feel like coming back again tomorrow to both finish off the week and find out what happens after Neil Neil's diatribe of today. Yes, I must I must finish this scene definitely. <laughs> All right, great. So until tomorrow, you're fine. You are.